Good evening. Tonight's reading is Psalm 40, and it can be found on page 566. It's 566. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear the Lord and put their trust in him. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. None can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, they would be too many to declare. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears have opened, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is within my heart. I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help. I do not conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. I do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me. For troubles without number surround me. My sins have overtaken me and I cannot see. They are more than the hairs of my head, and my heart fails within me. Be pleased to save me, Lord. Come quickly, Lord, to help me. May all who want to take my life be put to shame and confusion. May all who desire my ruin be turned back in disgrace. May those who say to me, aha, aha, be appalled at their own shame. But may all those who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. But as for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God. Do not delay. Thanks, Karis. And Bex, from Cardiff to Swansea to Port Talbot, we're working on our diversity. We're going to look at um, Psalm 40 together. If you have it open, we'll, we'll go through it um, sort of line by line. Start in Thailand. Uh, remember July 2018, a junior football team from Chiang Rai in Thailand, uh, 12 members of the team aged 11 to 16 were stuck in a cave. They entered the cave uh, on the 23rd of June, and then heavy rain flooded the cave and blocked their way out and trapped them, and people gave up hope. Uh, efforts to, to locate the group were hampered by these rising water levels, and there were strong currents, and no contact was made for two weeks. And then the rescue operation uh, expanded into this massive effort um, and there was lots of worldwide interest, and the international rescue teams came from Britain 
and Australia. Who's seen the Netflix uh, documentary about this rescue? You ought to. Uh, it, it's, it's amazing. Well, David also speaks about being lifted from a pit uh, in verse 2 of this psalm. But as he writes this psalm, he's in trouble again. In verses 1 and 2, he was looking back, but he's in trouble again. I think the present is verse 12. So he's writing this psalm as troubles without number surround him and as he feels his sins have overtaken him and he can't see and they're more than the hairs of his head and his heart is failing within me. I don't know if you've ever felt like that, your heart failing you. Maybe on a little level you've come home from holiday and your inbox is just full of problems and there are family problems Or maybe you do feel like David, and your sins have overtaken you. You've made mistakes, and you're just wondering, what is the way out of this mess? The New Living Translation in verse 12, it says, I can't see a way out. Well, in such a situation, David writes this song, this poem, and it really helps us to know how to pray and how to think. So David remembers the past He responds in the present, and he relies on God for the future. So if we look at verses 1 to 3, we'll see David remembering the past. I waited patiently for the Lord. It's interesting that Psalm 40 comes after Psalm 39. Have a look at Psalm 39 when you get home. It's one of those psalms where there's nothing positive in the whole psalm. Psalm 39 is a psalm like Psalm 88. Those are the two in the Psalms where David is emoting his spiritual depression. And so when he says, I waited patiently, I wonder if we're meant to read 39 and 40 together. Of course, we've, we've had a series looking at David. I know that we've just really done highlights. But physically, he had to wait a long time to receive the kingship that he'd been promised by the Lord. And he was on the run from David. One time he had to pretend to be a madman living with the Philistines. He hid in a cave. He had to, to, to wait patiently. Also in the time of his own son's rebellion, Absalom, who seized the kingship and David again had to be on the run. He had to wait patiently for a restoration. So David says, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry. As David cried out, the Lord leant in, like a parent stooping to to listen to a child who's crying out. And so David says, he turned to me. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and the mire, And I can't help thinking of the boys in Thailand there and the miners in Chile. I don't know if you remember that. In 2010, trapped for weeks in a pit, 69 days actually. A few of these miners were Christians and uh, have written books about preaching hope in hell where they were looking at each other, which one are we going to eat first? But they were lifted out individually. I don't know if you remember this. There was a a capsule that went down. And each of them came out individually. They had to wear these sunglasses because they hadn't seen the light of the sun for 70 days. 
And the president of Chile stood and gave each one of them a hug. And there was just rejoicing. What a picture of the gospel that was. And David says here, the Lord lifted me out of the miry pit and made me sing, verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth. Some of us can look back, can't we, to times in our lives where God's lifted us out of a slimy pit. For me, the year 2013-14 was a year of extraordinary humiliation. I fell out with people in the church where I was, and um, I, I left, and I went back to teaching, school teaching, which I hadn't done for a long time, and it was really tough. Honestly, I was told to F off by the students most days, and some of the parents. I couldn't get control of the class. I got really depressed. And I just remember crying out to the Lord, thinking, my life is over. What can I do? I'm, I'm just useless. I can't do anything. And um, this was the year that we went to Thailand. I guess maybe escaping. Um, but we had five amazing years in Thailand. Uh, whatever the motivation for going, the Lord set my feet on a, a rock helped me flourish again, and made me sing again. But if you're, if you're a Christian here, if you're saved, if you know Jesus, this is what's happened to you. He's brought you out of the, the pit. He's rescued you from the pain and the penalty of sin. And if you're struggling, or if you are going to struggle, which you will, it's good to put this psalm in the divine medicine cabinet and, and bring it out when the time comes it's good to remember past deliverances as David does in um, verses one to three. And then uh, in the middle part of the psalm, David responds to his present situation with three things, a private meditation, with personal devotion, and then with public proclamation. So in verses four to five, we have this private meditation. David tells himself, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, who doesn't look to the proud and to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done and the things you've planned for us. No one can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there'd be too many to declare. And he's meditating on this. When we're struggling, you see, we can so easily give way to negative thoughts and be a bit of an Eeyore. You know, not happy as the man who trusts in the Lord. Happy, happy as the man who earns a million pound a week playing for Man City. Happy as that man. Or happy as the woman who has beauty and success. I'm not blessed. But here David's telling himself the truth, as he does so often in these Psalms, speaking to himself. Derek Kidner, uh, the Bible commentator, says that the past is full of God's miracles. And the future is full of God's plans. And so David remembers this and he, he meditates privately. And then he, he, he moves into personal devotion. And this is the heart of the psalm, verses 6 to 8. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire. But my ears, or my years, as Keris said, you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. And I said, here I am, I've come. 
It's written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, my God. Your law is in my heart. What's this all about? The Old Testament, uh, the, the Hebrew Bible, was full of laws and sacrifices that were made for sin. But David comes to see that the, what is written there in the Old Testament, what is really required, is not these public performances, but personal devotion. And this is particularly true of kings. David knew what was written in Deuteronomy 17, that a king should write out his own copy of the law, and the king should read it daily and have his life shaped by it. That's what the instruction is in Deuteronomy 17. And this is what David is referring to here. But we know that David was not always a man of devotion. As Chris reminded us a couple of weeks ago, David was a murderer, maybe a rapist, prone to pride, as uh, Callum was looking at last week. Let's have a look at the structure of, of this psalm. Uh, if you go on to the next slide, when I say structure, um, Hebrew literature is often what we call a chiasm. I was talking about this last week, I think, where you see um, the top and the bottom match. So A matches with A1, B matches with B1, C matches with C1, and then D is in the middle. I meant to have it in red there. Here I have come. The, 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 the psalmist, David, is wanting us to focus on that. It's always the meat in the middle of the sandwich. Here I have come. But even David failed disastrously and miserably, as we have seen. But by the Holy Spirit, that verse is speaking about Jesus. It's quoted in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews. Jesus is the one who has come to do everything written in the scroll. And the good news for us all tonight is that it is the personal devotion, the personal devotion that David aspired to was fulfilled by Jesus, who is our substitute, who is the one who has come to fulfill everything written in the scroll, and his obedience in the gospel counts as our obedience. And so God sees us with the obedience of Jesus. And Jesus is the one who has come to lift us out of that pit and to set our feet on a rock and put a new song in our mouths. And so David then moves on to public proclamation, verses 9 and 10, declaring and speaking of his deliverance in the great assembly. Verse nine, I proclaim your saving acts in the great assembly. I do not seal my lips, Lord, as you know. I do not hide your righteousness in my heart. I speak of your faithfulness and your saving help, and I don't conceal your love and your faithfulness from the great assembly. Public proclamation. David wants everyone to be built up by his personal story, his testimony of personal deliverance. I wonder if you and I can make public proclamation a part of our lives. Do you have a story? Do you have a story of deliverance to tell? When was the last time you shared your testimony? 
Would you share it here one Sunday evening in the great assembly? Not so, not so massive tonight, but is there anything that stops you telling other people? We can be scared, can't we? What other people might think of us. We want to be self-sufficient. But Christian maturity isn't, isn't about independence. It's about dependence. And David here is, is expressing his dependence on the Lord. And if we know that Jesus is the hero of our lives, what's the harm of sharing some of our struggles and of our deliverances? So when David's facing a fresh crisis, verse 12, what does he do? He remembers the past deliverance, but he responds in the present with those three things, private meditation, personal devotion, and public proclamation. And then thirdly and finally, he chooses to rely on God's forever faithfulness versus 11 to 14. Do not withhold your mercy from me, Lord. May your love and faithfulness always protect me, for troubles without number surround me. The Lord forgives sins completely, but there are always consequences. And for David, if you read 2 Samuel, when you get to verse, when you get to chapter 11, everything reverses. Everything before chapter 11 is positive. And then everything after chapter 11 is negative. That, that event with Bathsheba just changed everything and there were terrible consequences for David. And now he can't see a way out. Do you ever feel like that? I know I do. But David doesn't say in verse 11, please God save me because I'm the king. Please God save me because I've done a lot of things that are right. No. David's plea here is God's character. May your love and your faithfulness, and in verse 11a, your mercy always protect me. And in verse 11, he, he prays, do not withhold your mercy. Do not restrain it. Have you ever been in a room and you, you've got the giggles and you can't restrain it? Or maybe you've been in a room and you you can't restrain breaking wind. Well, God cannot restrain his love and faithfulness. It's impossible for him to restrain it. And David is, is, is making that his plea. And we see God's unrestrained mercy personified in Jesus. He came into our sinking sand where we were. He came into our pit. He came into our cave so that his unrestrained mercy can reach us personally. And so David in this new crisis where he says, enemies are surrounding me to take my life, verse 14. He chooses now again to rely on God's unrestrained mercy and love and faithfulness for the future. In verses 15 to 17, the end of the psalm, we see two ways to respond, really, to, to God's mercy. There were those who uh, said, aha, aha, they wanted to trap David. And David says, may they be put to shame. 
Ultimately, those who reject the mercy of God will be put to shame. But then there are those who who seek God, verse 16. May all who seek you rejoice and be glad in you. May those who long for your saving help always say, the Lord is great. If we trust him, we can be sure of ultimate salvation. We can be sure that he will make us glad and able to rejoice and put this song in our mouths. Folks, the rescues from the Tamluan Cave in northern Thailand and from southern Chile are true for all those who hope in Jesus. We've been saved, drawn out of the pit. And so however desperate you feel or might feel, use this psalm to remember the Lord to respond to the Lord in the present with private meditation, personal devotion, and then even public proclamation and rely on him for the future because he will not restrain or withhold his mercy. See how David finishes as he relies on his God, verse 17. As for me, I am poor and needy. May the Lord think of me. You are my help and my deliverer. You are my God, do not delay.